Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. What is faith? I want to make it very simple. I want, to, I want it to come up with the most simple uh, definition, the most clear definition that I could possibly come up with as to the definition of faith. And I'm going to read out of Hebrews 11.1 1, what faith is um, and the biblical definition of it. But from my reading of the word in its entirety and from listening to great men of God who have been giants in the faith, I've come down to... Break it down to a simple, simple definition on uh, what is faith. Faith, in its simplest terms, is unshakable confidence and trust in God. That's what faith is. In its simplest terms, is, is, is that it is an unshakable confidence and trust in God. We are faith creatures. We have a faith God. God who made us is a faith God. When he created the heavens and the earth, he spoke the worlds into existence. He, by, by faith, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven three, 3, we understand that the word, that the, the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The worlds were framed by the word of God. You can study Genesis 1. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be a firmament that divides the heavens, and there was. God said, let there be vegetation, and there was. God said, he used his faith. Remember, Jesus said, if you have faith, you will say to this mountain. So faith is in speaking. Faith is expressed through the words that you speak. And we see that God actually never even lifted a finger in the creation of the world outside of forming man in the dust. But when he created the world, he just used his mouth. He used his mouth to create that which he desired to see. That's what faith is in a nutshell. And so faith is not wishful thinking. We are faith creatures. We're created by a faith God. We have the ability to believe. And believing is not wishful thinking. Faith is unshakable trust in God. Now, there's a lot of people who say, and I've heard it said by believers and unbelievers alike, I've heard it said, well, I don't believe much. I can't believe that. Or I have a hard time believing anything. That's not true. Because when you sit down on a chair, I've never seen anybody grab the chair and test its integrity before they actually took their weight and plotted it on that chair. Never seen that. You're using your faith in what? Your faith is in the integrity of the construct of the chair to hold you up. People are using faith every single day. You use faith when you get into your car. You're trusting the technology of the vehicle that it's not going to backfire on you and trip out on you and launch you into a ditch, especially today that every vehicle is automated. Every vehicle is it's by, it's operated by a chip. And so that chip can easily go off the rails and, and trip out. And, you know, who knows what would happen? It'd be horrendous. But we have, we've placed this certain level of faith and trust 
in that computer chip that it's not gonna trip out and it's going to do what it was designed to do. When you get on an airplane, I've been on many airplanes. I travel full time uh, as an evangelist and I have never in my history of travel have I ever seen a passenger refuse to get on the plane until it had done a, they had done a psychiatric test or evaluation on the pilot's mental health and well-being. Why? Because they have a certain level of trust in the pilot's mental wellness and uh, the airline who vets these pilots, they've put a certain level of trust in that they have followed suit in vetting and siphoning out any or, or sifting out any anyone that would have shown signs of of, of, of of ludicrous behavior or whatever. They've you're putting you're you're expressing a certain level of trust and confidence in the airline and in the pilot in that the guy that's gonna drive that plane who has the ability to plunge that thing right into the Atlantic, that he's sane in his mind and he is indeed going to bring you from point A to point B with limited uh, turbulence or whatever. He's gonna take good care of you. Nobody getting on a plane. I've never seen them get off the plane or, or, or before getting on the plane rather, get to the wheels of the plane and do a full evaluation on the construct of the plane. They believe that the plane itself was well built by Boeing or by Embraer or whatever um, airplane manufacturer. They believe that they have successfully built this thing strong to last and that it's not faulty and it's not gonna trip out midair and plunge you right into the Pacific Ocean. Why? Because they have a certain level of trust and unshakable. I mean, you got to think of the unshakable confidence you have to have to get on a plane, trust the pilot and trust the integrity of the plane to get you from point A to B. The cost, I mean, the cost of getting on a plane with a mentally insane pilot is not, it's going to be a rough ride. It could be death. The cost is very high. And yet, day after day, year after year, we see people, millions of people every single year get on a plane without any of that. Why? Unshakable trust. There is a level of faith placed in those things. We are faith people. So don't ever say, I can't believe anything. You believe many things. But with this week, we're specifically dialing in and zoning in on faith in God. What is faith? Biblically defined. Faith in Hebrews 11.1 1, is biblically defined. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. For by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Matter of fact, I'm going to keep on reading just to show you the products of faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So by faith, two things right here already. By faith, we obtain a good report, verse 2. 3, by faith, we understand, meaning you can't understand anything in the scripture unless you have a heart open in faith to receive downloads from the Holy Spirit. Number 4, verse 4 says, by faith, Abel offered up to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So by faith, we give our offerings to God. Any offering to God that's not been given in faith is in vain. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. I mean, you just keep on reading in Hebrews 11. By faith, Noah moved with godly fear. You won't ever move in your divine assignment and calling unless this thing called faith is alive 
and activated in your life. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out. I want you to take your highlighter uh, today, later on, whenever, and I want you to highlight all the by faith Enoch was, by faith Abel offered, by faith Noah moved, by faith Abraham obeyed. I want you to go and highlight Hebrews 11, all the by faith and what they did because it's going to bless you. It shows you the products of faith. That faith is not some non-issue. There's too many people, I'm going to get into it, but there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that they downplay the message of faith. They down talk the word of faith. They speak of it like it's some non-issue, that it's not necessarily essential, that as long as we just focus on holiness and we focus on love and patience and the fruit of the Spirit, we don't need this thing called faith, or at least we don't need to talk about it. I've actually been the victim of much, and I don't care, I'm not some victim mindset person. I'm just saying, I've been, I've had many people criticize me openly on social media and call me out being this guy's a hyper faith guy. He only talks about victory by faith and healing by faith and miracles by faith. He doesn't talk about holiness and repentance, which is not true. If you actually are a student of this broadcast, you know that I've gone at length in many broadcasts to talk about holiness. I've talked about the return of Jesus Christ and how we ought to conduct ourselves in light of that. I've talked about, I, I mean, I've got, I'm, I've considered myself to be a well-rounded preacher. However, I do focus much of my content on this subject of faith and you have people that criticize me because of it because they say no you shouldn't be talking about that you know I post like a 30 second which by the way when I post a 30 second video on Instagram or TikTok and you have people that say oh he all he talks about is faith or whatever and who've never even actually examined my entire YouTube channel or or, or database they're, they prove to themselves to be very ignorant. You cannot judge a minister based on a 30-second clip. You can't judge the heart, character, and the minister's content database based on a 30-second clip. You have people who've never been exposed to my ministry, and they say, this guy, all he does is talk about faith, and it's a 30-second clip, and they've never commented on anything else. Very ignorant people. But you have people that criticize faith and they say you shouldn't be talking about that. Just talk about repentance. Just talk about repentance. Do you understand? Matter of fact, I'm going to read this in Hebrews chapter 6. The people that say we should just talk about repentance, they must have forgotten what the writer of Hebrews writes. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. Listen to this. Now, understand before I move on, the message of repentance is very important. I am an evangelist. When I do crusades, and I preach in churches, I always talk about repentance and give people an opportunity to repent and get saved and turn to Jesus in faith. However, just because repentance is very important does not mean that faith is not important. Just because your kidneys are very important does not mean that your liver is not important. Just because your heart is very important does not mean that your lungs are not important and can be neglected and you can just smoke like a chimney and abuse your and misuse your lungs. Just because something has importance does not mean there's nothing else important. Just because holiness is important does not mean that love is not important. You have to understand, we have to approach the word of God in a well-balanced manner. We have to give weight to to every subject. If God said it, it's because it's important. 
If God said it once, it's because it's important. If God said it twice, it's very important. And faith is not just mentioned once or twice in the scripture. Faith is mentioned throughout the entire Bible over and over and over and over again. Over and over again. Matter of fact, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20, the prophet speaks and says, Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Meaning you can't even be established in anything without this thing called faith at work in your life. And he says, believe on the prophets and you shall prosper. I've noticed this. Now, I want you to understand my heart in saying this. I've noticed that people who have genuine faith, sincere faith, carry real faith. I've noticed generally they tend to be happier people, more peaceful people, and People who prosper, I'm not just talking about financial, I mean in everything in life. People who are prospering people more than people, way more than people, that are doubting people, pessimistic people, and generally unbelieving people. And I'm talking about in the Christian faith. Because, and I'm going to get into it, there's a way to live by faith and not walk by faith. So I've noticed that when people are people of faith, warriors of faith, not just about I'm believing to make heaven. No, I believe God for everything in life. My faith is not just so that one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the rapture or if Jesus should tarry, I'll die and I'll go to heaven. That's more, my faith operates beyond that. That's elementary stuff. I believe God in the area of finances. I believe God in the area of my health. I believe God. That's why you have people, man, you have people that will bash preachers that preach on divine healing and preach strong on divine healing, that God always heals, that God is a healer, that it's always His will to heal, that God's power can heal any type of cancer and any type of sickness and disease. Then you have the other, uh, other side of the spectrum, people who may very well be saved but don't have the revelation on divine healing and they criticize divine healing preachers. They say, no, you should go to a doctor. They say, no, you should take medication. No, you should... And it baffles me because in essence, what they're saying is, I trust the medical system for my life. I trust the medical uh, technological advancements for my life. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against medical treatment. I'm not against those things. But far be it from me that I should ever give credit or put more emphasis on or elevate in my trust bank, the medical field and the medical department and any doctor or human being above the word of God and God himself. He is Jehovah Rapha. You know, when it comes to finances, I believe God for my finances. I preach prosperity. I preach that God wants to not only meet your need, he wants to give you an abundance so you can meet the needs of others in your generation. And you have the other side of the Christian people, uh, Christian uh, spectrum that bash people that preach like that. No, 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 no. These guys are just health and wealth preachers. They teach you that if you serve God and give, that God will make you rich. First of all, I never said that. The Bible said that. That if you give, it's a scriptural principle of stewardship, financial stewardship. And they label that's the prosperity gospel. No, it is not a prosperity gospel. We have the gospel, which is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
In the gospel, we are reconciled to Jesus Christ. In our reconciliation to Jesus Christ, we have now entered into the covenant with God. Part of that covenant is that if we will indeed put God first in our tithe and our offering, we have a guarantee that we will never lack. And not only will we never lack, we will have a divine abundance unto every good work. You have a problem with that. You have a problem with your Bible. And you can rip out the pages from your Bible and, and ignore them all you want but if you read throughout the entirety of scripture you've never seen somebody give to God and him go without he's always entered into a new level and so you have people like me that teach people you can trust God with your finances if you'll go God's way you have the other end of the Christian spectrum that say they label that that's prosperity gospel now look I'm not ignoring the fact that there are many who have abused and misused the message of prosperity there are many who have taken the purity of the message and they've used it for selfish gain and their own financial advancement I do not doubt that and they will stand before God but you do not throw the baby out with the bathwater just because a message was tainted by one does not mean the message itself is tainted the message is true and it is sincere uh sincerely taught throughout the scripture by many by many not just one book not just one scripture and so you have people on the other side of the spectrum that criticize people that talk about prosperity and that god wants to bless you financially and they say things like no 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 it's hard work and it's sweat that made you know, you, a lot of these guys that come from America too, you look, at their, you look at their bank accounts. They're not poor. You look at what kind of car. I had a guy, <laughs> I had a guy rip me up on a post once uh, that I post that God wants to bless you. The kingdom of heaven is built on increase, all that stuff. And the guy wrote this heavy loaded post, which I just deleted. I, I don't reply to these people because they're, they're antagonists and they come in and you can tell they have a vicious, um, malicious spirit when they write and he wrote this whole thing on how I'm a false prophet and a false teacher and that you're preaching and misleading people and all that stuff blah 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 so I out of curiosity I just wanted to stroll through his um his his Instagram page I just wanted to see you know who's this guy man for him to be like this this mad he must have gone through something I go through his Instagram page and he has pictured all he has pictured his account is literally dedicated to this he bought this i forget what the truck is called it's called a world cruiser a road a world runner or something like that it's a hundred and eighty thousand dollar vehicle vehicle that he purchased for himself that he he goes around driving it around america and stuff and camps and all that stuff and and, and he just uses his instagram account to post the pictures of his travels so you have here a man who is so blessed that he has the ability to purchase 180,000, and that's low end. You can actually go up to 250,000 to 300,000 in this vehicle. I'm not sure what the name is, but it, it's a very heavy loaded vehicle. And you have this guy that's able, blessed, has the privilege to purchase this vehicle and not be without, go and travel. Obviously, he's got a lot of time on his hand. He doesn't have a job that requires him or two jobs or three jobs like a lot of people do in America to travel all throughout America and document his travels. And then has the audacity to come on my post and tell me I'm a false prophet for telling people that God can bless them and that he can meet their needs, their basic needs, and then bring them out of a place of need into a place where they can meet the needs of others. What a hypocrite. A hypocrite. Because you have, you have a dude now 
Who's going to take, you know, it's like what Jesus said to the scribes. He said, you scribes have taken away the key of knowledge, the key of knowledge that can unlock God's blessing. You've taken the key of knowledge away. People who have desired to enter into the blessing, you don't let them because you guard the key of knowledge and you yourselves don't enter in. They've taken the key of knowledge away. I delete those comments on my post because I don't need someone who's a, a widow or a single mother who's believing God for her children, food for her children, food to put on the table tonight. You know, I see hope and John watching and I know their story. Just last year, I believe it was, last year, uh, he, they, they were in their living room with nothing but two chairs and like a mattress to sleep on. That's all they had. Totally impoverished. And they got hold of this message of seed, time, and harvest. And they began to sow in faith that this was the lowest they're ever going to be. And now, I, I believe Hope has her own business. And John has, uh, has a full-time job that pays him very well. And they've broken beyond that. They're actually in a place now where they can give and be a blessing. And I mean, it's a, it's a very great story that I've listened to. And, and it's blessed me. I come from a place, $11,000 debt at 19 years old, and I had no job because I had OCD. I got fired from my job, and I, when I got saved, I got healed, but I still had the weight of the debt, and so I began to believe God and not just say confessing prosperity. If you just take prosperity confession and don't take prosperity action, which is to actually give, you're never going to enter into that level of prosperity and break the back of poverty in your life. So I not only confessed it, I began to give and I began to sow and I began to, 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 to put my money where my mouth was and I saw God take me out of $11,000 of debt bring me into a place I, within three months $30,000 came in without me sending in any letter without me begging without me putting any post on Facebook I had enough money to pay my debt and I had enough money to pay my Bible college tuition along with Buying myself all my books, my guitar that I wanted, and uh, an iPad to take notes and all that. Imagine if I had heard or had seen a, a, a video where there was someone teaching the principles of stewardship and then some knucklehead came in and just started, oh, there's a false teacher, there's a false preacher, God wants you poor. And I believe that. Because remember, faith cometh by hearing. It doesn't say just faith in God comes by hearing. But faith in anything else, you, you can hear and listen to anything else. It won't affect you. No, faith comes by hearing anything. Whatever you hear and whatever you see will affect your faith. So if I'm looking at comments like that, and that's why I'm very heavily uh, impressed to constantly teach and preach that you need to guard your heart above everything else. Guard your heart above everything else. If you have people that are trying to discourage you from believing God, for certain things, you need to learn to guard your heart. Hope said, gave our last $40 in November 2021. Our last $40, down to $40. And with a baby on the way, she was pregnant. And now just gave our second $1,500 seed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you, you have to guard your heart. And that's why, I, all this to say, that's why I delete comments. Because I don't need someone like what Hope was stumbling onto my videos and then reading that garbage and them just, oh, you know what, maybe God doesn't. I, I don't need that. The Bible says in James chapter 1, when you ask God for things, ask in faith. 
nothing wavering. For he that doubts is like the waves of the sea, tossed to and fro. Let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. It's actually a demonic ploy to sow deceptive, doubtful seed so as to keep you out of experiencing the blessing of God. But it's too late. The devil that could not stop you from tuning into this broadcast is the devil that can't stop you from getting in and accessing the new heights and the new levels that God's going to take you in from this week of broadcast in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I see you going to a new level. I see you and your family breaking free from the bondage and curse of poverty and entering into the blessing that Abraham had. I see you stepping out of obscurity and penury and a place of lack and want into a place of a abundance in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and I tell you you will never be in the grip of riches money will never be in your heart money will always be in your hand you will never carry the love of money you will always have the love of God and the love for souls that will allow you allow you to utilize and best use that money in a godly way in Jesus name now moving on Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 therefore Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Let us go on to perfection. Let us mature. Let's not stay at level one. Let's move on. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. So the writer of Hebrews here is saying there should come a time. Matter of fact, if you read Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12, it says by this time you ought to be teachers but you still have need of someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And he says we shouldn't cont continue to just lay again the foundation of repentance of dead works. You go to some churches, all they ever do is talk about repentance. That's all they ever do. And so the people are malnutritioned because all they ever hear is just repentance, repentance, repentance. I'm not against the message of repentance. I give a call of repentance every single time I preach. But there's more in the word of God than just repentance. There's some preachers, all they ever do is talk about hell. And their listeners are malnutrition. Imagine if all you ever did was eat Oreos. Imagine if all you ever did was eat Brussels sprouts. You would not look strong. You would be malnutritioned. You have to have a proper diet of the word of God. You have to have a well-balanced approach to the word of God. All you ever did was eat broccoli, you would not look strong. If all you ever did was eat porridge, you would not look strong. If all you ever did was have just one intake of food, you, you wouldn't move on. You wouldn't mature physically. Well, the writer of Hebrews here is saying you need to mature spiritually, not laying again the foundation of repentance of dead works and faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, of eternal judgment. And this we shall do if God permits. So he's saying let's press on. Let's press on to perfection. Let's press on to deeper things. Let's leave just the milk of the word. You know, if I was just still drinking breast milk at 30 years old, we would have a problem here. I'm not drinking breast milk. I'm not just drinking milk. I actually never really liked milk. I've moved on to meat. I've moved on to strong meat. I eat strong. I'm a meat eater. I am a carnivore. I love eating meat. Well, in the same way, in the spirit, I'm not just drinking the milk anymore. Yes, I do drink the milk of the word. Yes, I do revisit these doctrines. Yes, I do read the full counsel of the word of God. However, I have pressed on into the strong meats. And so, just because, all this to say, just because someone says, we should just be focusing on holiness, you're going to have an improper diet. 
and you're not gonna you're not gonna look strong. You're gonna be missing out. Paul said, I did not shrink back from declaring to you the entire gospel or the entire entire counsel of the word of God. I did not shrink back from declaring to you the entire counsel of the word of God. Hallelujah. So I've written down four and I'm gonna get through them. I'm this week I'm actually gonna do one hour broadcast. I'm, I know last week I said it and I was not a man of my word, but this week I will. With the exception of Wednesday because we have evangelist Kofi coming on and so I'll, we'll, we'll you know, just let it rip. But today and this week we're going to do one hour broadcast, at least keep to around that one hour marker. Because I think Friday I went like an hour and 40 minutes, which is not bad. I love doing it. But I know people are watching on their lunch breaks or whatever and I, and I want to maximize that. All right, number one. So we talked about what is faith, but now I want to go through... Four reasons why we should study the subject of faith. Number one, we study the subject of faith and it's an important one and it's a vital one because there is a massive difference between a Christian who lives by faith and a Christian who walks by faith also. Hebrews 10.38. spending a lot of time in Hebrews. It is a faith book. Hebrews 10.38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone... <laughs> You always say that, Xanatar says. I know. People are like, this guy is not a man of his word. No integrity. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. The writer of Hebrews here is saying that the just shall live by faith, and if anyone draws back from the message of faith or the doctrine of faith, God said, my soul will have no pleasure in that individual. We live by faith, but we also have to learn to walk by faith. What do I mean by that? The Bible says the just shall live by faith. He, uh, if Ephesians 2 and 8 says, by grace through faith are we saved. We're saved. Salvation is a product of faith. And there are many Christians who live by faith. They're alive in Christ because of faith placed in his death, burial, and resurrection. And they have justification before God. They have God's righteousness on them. They are alive in Christ. They've been quickened, made alive together with him. They're on their way to heaven. But there's an entirely different thing to say they walk by faith. There are many Christians who are alive in Christ, but they do not walk by faith. The difference is that walking by faith is when an individual allows God or believes God for his blessing and intervention in every area of life. You don't just use faith to solidify our confidence for salvation. We use our faith for everything that pertains to life. I don't just live by faith in that one day I know I'm going to make heaven. I walk by faith in that I believe God for every dime that comes into my pocket. I believe God for every ounce of strength I have in my body. I believe God for every door of opportunity that's opened unto me. I'm not trying to have a naturalistic approach or a worldly approach to life and things in life. You know, I was reading in James chapter 4 the other day, it says that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. 
And I looked at the word world there in the original Greek. And in the original Greek, it literally means cosmos, cosmos, which when you study that word, it signifies the order, the ways of, or the procedure and processes of, a, of the world. So when it says the cosmos, it's not just talking, it's not talking about the earth and the, uh, and the sun. And it's not talking about the cosmos as in the, the mountains and the trees or the people that dwell on it. The cosmos is the Greek word for the order of the world, the structure, the way the world operates. James here is saying that when you are a friend or an ally or do things with the order of the world, the struct, you structure your life after the order of the world. You do things with a worldly approach. When it comes to finances, you do things worldly. You don't take any thought to what the word of God has to say on the matter. Everything's just in a worldly uh, fashion. When it comes to your health, there's no faith placed in God for him to sustain and strengthen you. It's all just, I need to diet and I need to exercise. Now, diet and exercise is extremely important, but there are people who diet and exercise and still they are sick. There are people who diet and exercise and still don't make it. There are people who diet and exercise and are health freaks and they still die before their time. So it's not just diet and exercise the very reason you're alive is because God has decided to keep you alive. So remember that. So James says that when you are a friend to the world and you are, are, are organizing your life in a way that your life looks actually no different than people who don't even know the word of God, the God of the Bible, or Jesus Christ specifically, you have actually made yourself an enemy of the world. God has made himself an enemy, uh, sorry, an enemy of God. God has made himself an enemy of your progress. When you take no thought to the faith walk and the faith life, and it's all just natural, and it's all just carnal approaches to things, and it's all just worldly approaches to things, and it's all just rational, logical, I can think myself through this. God has actually made himself an enemy of your progress. That's in James chapter 4 and verse 3. So that's why I say we're not just to live by faith. We need to walk by faith. We need to find out what God has said concerning anything that pertains to our life. And we need to do that. Faith is compartmentalized. The word of God is compartmentalized. I said it before. It addresses a variety of things. It doesn't just talk about holiness. It doesn't just talk. There's all kinds of topics and subjects in the word of God. Yes, the central theme is the gospel and Jesus dying for the sins of the world. But there's many other things the Bible discusses, especially if you read through Proverbs. There's so much godly wisdom there that will allow you, that when you implement these things, it'll allow you to live life at a whole new level, a different level than anyone else. So the word of God is compartmentalized. We need to discover what God has said concerning anything in life. We need to find out what did God say about money? I want to know what God said about money. I don't want to be an ignorant believer and just say it's not about money and like that. No, God, actually Jesus spoke about money more than he spoke about, I, I, I think he spoke about money more than he spoke about hell. Jesus spoke a lot about money. Because he said, where your treasure is, where your money is, there's your heart. He actually didn't just speak about money. He said, your money represents your heart's motives. 
I mean, he put a, a, heavy, prime, uh, a heavy premium on the subject of money. So I want to find out what did God say about it. I want to find out what did God say about health. I want to find out. I want to know what, what's God's thoughts on that. The word of God is God's thoughts on that. Remember, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. But his word allows us to see into his thoughts and see into his ways. I want to know what does God's word say about family life? How we're to order our family, how we're to conduct our family affairs, because it talks about it. Matter of fact, one of the reasons God was so pleased with Abraham, Genesis 18, 19, was that Abraham knew how to conduct his family in a correct, godly manner. That's one of the things that God really liked about Abraham. I want to find out what does God say about family? What does God say about children? What should I expect? How to raise my children? I want to know. And the Bible's not silent on it. The Bible is loud on these subjects. So this is number one reason why we need to subject, we need to study the subject of faith. We're not just to live by faith, we need to walk by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. When you just live by faith, but you do everything else the world's way, you prove yourself to be a, sens a sensual person. What's a sensual person? One who is led by the senses. You are governed by the senses. The writer of uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, we do not walk by sight. We're not governed by the senses. We have a sixth sense. There was a movie that came back a while ago that was like a horror movie, but it's called the sixth sense. Well, the Christian actually does have a sixth sense, and the sixth sense is the sense of faith. It allows us to see things other people aren't seeing and allows us to hear things other people are not hearing. Elijah had this sixth sense called faith. When he was praying for rain and only a little cloud the size of a man's hand rose up, he didn't get discouraged at it. He said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Faith allowed him to hear things other people were not hearing, even his own servant. Faith allows you to see things other people are not seeing. Faith gives you inside information and in so doing a heavy advantage in life. So number one reason why we must study the subject of faith is that faith, we don't just live by faith, we walk by faith. Number two, we study the message of faith because we are to embrace the message of faith. We have to embrace the message of faith. You cannot neglect the message of faith. You cannot ignore the message of faith. You cannot talk down towards the message of faith. You need to embrace the message of faith because it's of vital importance. And I dealt with this before, and I'm not going to spend much time on this point. Because I said it before, you have, just because one subject is important doesn't mean any other subject in the Bible is not important. Your heart's important, but your lungs are also important. And we reread it in Hebrews 10, 38, the just shall live by faith. It's repeated in Habakkuk 2, 4, the just shall live by faith. It's repeated in Romans chapter 1, 17, the just shall live by faith. Faith is so important, you need to embrace the message of faith because it's the message of faith and I'm going to get into it right now, that allows us to be safe. Number three reason we need to study the message of faith is because of the importance of faith. Now I'm going to go through here. I wrote down nine vital essentials of faith. Number one, you can't be saved without faith. Hebrews 2.8, by grace through faith are ye saved. We can't even be saved without faith. faith. The Bible says, 
that uh, there was a woman that came to Jesus and poured out an alabaster flask of oil on his feet and wiped it with the hair of her head. And Jesus turned to her and said, Daughter, thy faith has saved thee. Faith is what produces salvation. Number two, why is faith so important and why should we study it? Number two, we are healed by faith. Mark 5.34, the Bible says that when that woman with the issue of blood came behind Jesus and pressed through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment, she said to herself, if I can just touch it, I will be healed. Jesus, feeling power leave his body, turned and said, who touched me? And many people said, what do you mean who touched you? There's like 15,000 people around you. There's probably like at least 70 people in the last 30 seconds that have touched you. We don't know. You're, you're the, the one operating by the gifts of the Spirit. You use the word of knowledge. Like who touched you? And Jesus said, no, somebody touched me with faith. And he turned to the woman and said, daughter, thy faith has made thee well. Faith brings healing. It's important to study because your divine strength and well-being in life will be a product of your faith. You can believe God to be supernaturally strengthened in your body. You can believe God to be healed of chronic ailments, diseases, illnesses, sicknesses, uh, genetical problems. You can believe God for healing in those areas. You know, I find it interesting that Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples said, there's so many people touching you. Isn't it interesting that Jesus discerned between a regular touch and the touch of faith? There's a lot of people that go to church week by week and they're around Jesus and they get close to him, but their lives haven't changed. Why? Because going to church and just sitting in church and not act, and just, you know, you're in church. Faith comes by hearing. There's a lot of faith coming your way. Faith could be coming into your heart, receiving it into your heart. But if all you do is just receive the word and all you do is just hear the word and you never act on it. Faith is not just in hearing. Faith is in action. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So faith carries a, a, a work to it. Faith carries action corresponding to it. Corresponding action is, a pro, is a, an, uh, an evidence of genuine faith in your heart. So there's a lot of people who go to church and uh, they've gotten faith in their heart, but they've never done anything about that faith. They've never used or turned loose or released that faith. That woman didn't just have, she heard about Jesus healing others. She didn't just have faith in her heart. She stepped out and acted on that faith. And as a result, the Bible says, Jesus turned to her and said, thy faith has made thee well. He recognized the touch of faith. Don't just be around Jesus. Don't just hear about Jesus. Don't just reminisce on the Gospels. Don't just study the Bible. You know, in Ezra, it says, Ezra purposed in his heart to study the word of the law and so that he may do it. Don't just study. Do it. You know, the brothers... And uh, mother of Jesus came to him once and there was a big crowd that blocked them from accessing him. And they came to him and said, your brother and your sisters and your mother are standing outside. And you know what Jesus said? He said, who are my brothers and my sister and my mother? And he looked to those sitting and listening to him. And he said, these are my brothers and my sister and my mother. For those who do the will of God are my brothers and my sisters and my mother. Hallelujah. What he was saying is my real family, my true compadres, my comrades are those that don't just hear me. They do something about it. Jesus said, he that hears my word and does nothing is like a man who built his house upon sand. And it fell when the slightest of pressure was put on it. 
But whoever hears my word and does it, I'll liken him to a man who is wise, who built his house, dug deep on the foundation of a rock. And when the winds came and the winds blew and the waves beat against the house, it did not fall because these are the doers of the word. James says, do not just be mere hearers of the word, be ye doers of the word and don't deceive yourself. So by faith, we are healed. Touch Jesus. If you're believing God for healing today, I, I, I want you to not just know what God's word says, put a demand on that. Hallelujah. Put a demand on what the word of God says. That's what faith is. It's putting, it's placing a demand. I, I, I have this in my Bible. I was reading this just the other day of the woman of the issue of blood, but specifically in Luke's gospel, it says in verse 46, Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceive power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before Jesus. And she declared to them, to him in the presence of all the people, listen to this, the reason she had touched him and how she was healed. The reason she had touched him. There were people that were just touching Jesus. Why are you touching him? Ah, trying to get good vibes. Weird people. This woman came in with a reason. I'm touching you, Jesus, for a reason. There's a purpose for my touch. There's a demand I'm placing on the power that you have. That's what faith is. In these 21 days of fasting and prayer, and specifically in this faith week, I want you, I want you to come up with the reason. Why am I praying? Don't just do it. I'm just praying to pray. No, there's a reason. I'm doing this with intentionality. I'm touching Jesus on purpose, not by accident. The touch of faith has a reason. There's a specific thing, a target. I talked about it the other week. There's a target that I have that I'm trying to hit. My faith has a target. Hers was healing. So her faith had a target of divine healing and she got what she targeted. Faith brings healing. Number three, importance of faith and why we should study it. We live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4, the quality of your life is going to be a byproduct of the strength of your faith. That's just what the scripture says. Number four, we have victory by faith. 1 John 5 and 4 says, whatever is born of God has overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith gives you the ability by the power of God to overcome the world and have victory. You can't even have victory without faith in any area. Number uh, five, we have eternal life by faith. John 3, 16, the Bible says, God so loved the world that he, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him would have everlasting life and not perish. So everlasting life, eternal life, the zoe, the life nature of God comes to us by faith. Number six, we please God by faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible doesn't say without faith it's a little harder to please God you're gonna to have to try other be a little more holy that day but without faith uh without um but 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 it's without faith it's just a little more hard to please God but it's possible no it says it's impossible to please God not a little harder impossible to please God we number six number seven we approach the father by faith Hebrews eleven six. 6, the other part of that verse says, he that comes to God must believe, must believe. The prerequisite to coming to God is you must believe. You can't even approach the Father on anything else except the basis of faith. Number seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Number eight, 
we stand by faith. 2 Corinthians 1.24, for by faith we stand. You are going to be an unstable person if you don't have genuine Bible faith surging through you and through your spirit. And I'm going to go through this probably at some point this week, but there's different levels of faith. There's people who have weak faith. There's people who stagger in faith. They're wavering. There's people who have wavering faith. There's people who have shipwrecked faith. If you're someone like that, you're not going to stand. You're not going to stand against the devil. You're not going to take a stand for God. You're not going to take a stand in your generation for the gospel. You're not going to take a stand for holiness and righteousness. If you don't have faith, you cannot stand for any of those things. Faith is the life force of the believer. It is the life force of the believer. I'm going to say that again. Faith is the life force of the believer. That's 2 Corinthians 1.24, Connie. Number nine, we obtain promises by faith. Hebrews 11.33 says, By faith they subdued kingdoms and they obtained promises. By faith they obtained promises. You cannot obtain any promise in the Bible outside of this thing called faith. Number 10, we are strengthened by faith. Hebrews 11.11, By faith Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. Strength. Divine strength, supernatural, quickening strength by the Spirit of God comes through faith. By faith, Sarah received strength. Faith is the um, receptacle for all of these things and more that I haven't listed. But these are like the 10 main ones that faith brings to a person. And so, point number three, that's uh, the reason we should study the subject of faith is because what faith and the byproducts of faith, what faith can bring to a person. Number four, and I finish with this, Jesus blesses faith people. Why should we study the faith message? Because Jesus blesses faith people. This is going to be great. Hebrews eleven thirty three. By faith, I said it before, they obtained promises. You can't, be, you can't receive any blessing outlined in Scripture outside of faith. Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him that believes. The blessing of God hangs on your ability to believe him for it. The blessing of God hangs on your ability to believe him for it. 2 Chronicles 20, 20, believe in the Lord your God, you shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. Jesus blesses faith people. You can study in the entirety of the gospels. I'm, I've listed down a few I talked about it just now. The woman with the issue of blood was blessed because of her faith. Jesus blessed her. She said, he said, daughter, your faith is the reason that you got healed. This blessing of divine healing came to you because you used your faith. Two, blind Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He turned in, said, do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, I believe. Well, thy faith, that's in Mark 10, thy faith has made thee whole. Blind Bartimaeus received his sight because of faith. Jesus blessed him with eyesight because he knew how to release and turn loose his faith and have, a, and, and have a specific target in mind. He wasn't just, Lord, bless me with anything. No, I want my eyesight. Your faith has made thee whole. The sinful woman that came and broke the alabaster flask of oil on Jesus' feet, Jesus turned to her and said, Daughter, thy faith has saved thee. He blessed her with the forgiveness of sins. You can't even be forgiven of sin. You can ask God to forgive you all you want. But unless you actually believe that God's forgiven you, you have to use faith even in that. God, I believe that you've forgiven me. 
I believe that I've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. I believe that my unrighteousness has been done away with. I believe. Number four, you, uh, number three, you have the ten lepers cleansed in Luke 7, 19. Jesus said, arise, go your way. Thy faith has made thee whole. He blessed them by not only cleansing them, but making them whole. Whatever body parts they had lost came back because of this thing called faith. Jesus blessed though that one, well, there was the ten lepers, sorry, that came, that were cleansed, but only one came back in faith to give glory to God. And Jesus blessed the one that came back in faith to give glory to God and said, that faith has made you whole. They all were healed, but they might not have restored their body parts. Not only are you healed, whatever you lost because of leprosy is coming back to you. Jesus blessed that man with wholeness because of his faith. Then you see the two other blind men in Matthew 9, 29, that received their sight, Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Jesus blessed them because of their faith. Notice in all of these instances, according to your faith, arise, thy faith has made thee whole. And seeing their faith, he said, arise, take up your pallet and walk. Notice how every single one of them, it's not, and seeing their love. Notice how he never said, and Jesus seeing their good character. And Jesus, seeing that they were very patient, said, you are healed. None. It was always faith that unlocked. Faith is the key that unlocks the blessing of God that can turn any situation around. People are oftentimes told you need to be patient. Be patient for the miracle. Be patient. Be patient. And yes, though in faith there is an, an aspect of patience because Romans 15, 13 says the God of hope will fill you with all faith uh, with all joy and peace as you believe. So there is this joy and peace as you believe. There is this season of believing, the season of faith, wherein there is a, a level of patience. Although Jesus never said, hey daughter, thy patience has made thee whole. You waited long enough. That like, it's almost like people think that waiting is like a badge of honor. I've waited so long, it's gonna be extra sweet. How many of you know God's making you wait for it because the more he wait or the more it the more time it takes, the more length it takes, a length of time it takes, the sweeter the blessing will be. That's not anywhere in the Bible. The day these people decided to believe was the day they got the breakthrough. The day they decided to believe is the day they got the breakthrough. Let me tell you something, make this very clear to you. Every day is God's day to help you. The day you decide to believe is the day you get helped. That's, all, that, that's as simple as it can be. Patience is a virtue of genuine faith. But when most people talk about patience, they're talking about, you know, in time, everything heals. How many of you know in time? Here's what I have to say about that. Here's what I have to say about that. Hold on. That's what I have to say about that. There's no in time, everything heals. By saying that you've actually... You've actually made a God out of time. You're saying that, yeah, God can heal and all that, but really time heals. Who is time? Where did time even show up in the Bible? Doesn't say any of that. Doesn't say good character or being a good law-abiding citizen is what's going to make you whole. Those people that took their friend and sawed the roof open where Jesus was preaching and let down their friend before Jesus. Notice how Jesus didn't say, how could you do that? You poor citizens. Do you know what you've just done to this man who lent me his house and how much money it's going to take to repair that roof? You are not displaying godly character. Take that man and take him out of my... I can't even look at him right now. It's not what happened. Jesus saw their faith and said unto them, man, thy sins are forgiven. 
Thy sins are forgiven you. Arise, take up your, your pallet and walk. The men who broke the man's roof open to lower their friend before Jesus were definitely not displaying good character when they ripped open the man's roof without his permission. They were not displaying uh, law-abiding citizen, tr good traits of a law-abiding citizen. They were pretty much outside the law. And yet, Jesus didn't care about any of that. Most people, I'm sure, would have said, I can't believe what they did. And you know, they didn't even leave money for the guy to repair it. They just Jesus didn't care about any of it because he cares about people more than he cares about a stupid roof. And he said, son, the Bible says, seeing their faith, not just his faith, the faith of the friends that brought him and did all the work. Let me make this clear to you, and I'm going to finish with this in a very strong statement. People, there are many people that will criticize faith people, but Jesus blesses faith people. There are many that will criticize faith people, but who cares? Jesus blesses, Jesus is pleased, and Jesus blesses faith people. Ask the 12 spies. The 10 spies did not believe. Nobody could even recite their names. They're forgotten in history. The 10 spies had actually incited the rest of Israel to pick up stones and stone Joshua and Caleb who had believed. The Bible says none of them got to see the promised land except Joshua and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. They saw the promised land and the Bible says they had another spirit in them who would do all God's will. Hallelujah. What side do you want to be in history? The forgotten? The one that you weren't criticized much? But Jesus was never pleased with any action you took because there was never actions of faith taken? What side do you want to be in history? I challenge you this week, tune in every day with me. Give me your ear for one week as we study this, the inestimable value of faith. As we study the, the great value of faith, give me one week, give me your ear daily. Let me show you what God's word says faith is, how to get it, how to develop it, what it can produce, and, all, and we're going to get into the deep things of faith and see, see the quantum leaps that you're going to take in the strength of your faith. Give me one week. I don't, want, I don't care if people criticize me. I want to be on the side of history where Jesus is pleased with my faith and because of it, the blessing of God is manifesting in every area of my life. People will criticize people of faith. But Jesus blesses people of faith. Hallelujah. Well, before I conclude this, I want to make, give an invitation. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, the first way you use your faith in anything is to believe Him for salvation from sin repentance from dead works, and faith towards God. God sent Jesus to bless you in turning you away from your sin. Sin is a poison that has plagued the human race and if left unchecked, will put you not, in, not only in, in a physical grave, but an eternal death characterized by hell, fire, brimstone, a worm that does not die. Hell is real. That's why I... Get, take this opportunity to invite people to Christ. Hell is real. But heaven is also real. God didn't send Jesus for you to go to hell. God sent Jesus for you to go to heaven. 
And heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. How do you prepare, you might ask? Very simple. A, B, C. Admit you've sinned and you need Jesus. Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and he's not dead, but he's alive. And C, confess Jesus as your Lord and commit your life to him from this day onward. Has there ever been a time where you've done that? If not, you need to do that here and now. If there has been a time where you've done that, but you've fallen away, you're not quite living with passion for God anymore. The fire has gone out. You need to rekindle that passion. Let January 2023 be the, the month. Start this year outright. Let it be the, the month where, where you went all in with God, where you forsook all to follow Jesus, where you weren't a lukewarm believer anymore. Get rid of lukewarmness. Jesus said, I'll spit, I'll spit you out of my mouth if you're lukewarm. Get on fire for God. Time is short. Jesus is coming back. Don't be the five foolish virgins who had no oil in their lamp. They ran out of oil. If you're running empty, if you're running on low, if you found yourself, where you're, the joy of salvation is no longer in you. Rededicate your life to Jesus today. Bible says in a, uh, Revelation, speaking of the church of Ephesians, he said, you have left your first love. He said, I, as many as I love, I discipline. You've left your first love, but the good news is it's not too late. Jesus never gives a diagnosis without a prognosis. He never diagnoses a problem without giving a solution. You may have left your first love, but the scripture says, repent. Do the deeds you did at first. Remember the first works and do the deeds you did at first. Do the deeds. Go back to church. Start reading your Bible again. Start praying. It doesn't have to be seven hours a day. Just give him some time every day. Do the deeds you did at first. And he said, I'll, I'll rekindle you. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick, a fire that's going out, he's not going to snuff it out. He wants to put fire on you today. Start that process by rededicating your life to Jesus here and now with me. Pray this with me from the bottom of your heart. Say this out loud. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess Jesus is Lord of my life. Come live in me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Forgive me of my sin. Where I was weak, strengthen me. I believe in you. Heaven is my home now. God is my Father. And I'm never looking back. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am born again by the power of God. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I would love for you to get in contact with me by going to salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up on our webpage is I just got saved. Click that. Fill it out. I want to hear from you. And we also want to get a package to you free of charge. I want to send this to you. It's a Bible and some reading material that's going to really help you out in uh, successfully living this new Christian life. This is going to be an adventure and it's a good one. You've made the best decision you've ever made. Let me welcome you into the family of God. Fill that form out. I want to get a, a little gift to you, free of charge. I pay everything. You don't have to worry about anything. We're not going to take your address and send you notes for money. We don't do any of that. It's literally just for the purpose of getting this package to you. I want to bless you. I want to help you. Do that in Jesus' name. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.